Welcome back to a financial planning podcast with a down-to-earth vibe. Even Sasquatch would come out of hiding for this is Through the Pines. On episode nine of Through the Pines, we discuss financial decisions in your 50s. So you're in your 50s. What do I do? I don't know what to do. I'm a 50-year-old. I have lots of money in the bank. I have no money in the bank. Where do I start? What do I do? What's some good advice? Because I'm now in my 50s. I need to I need to structure my finances and think about a few things. So I'm happy to be back here on the podcast, on the Through the Pines podcast with, um, I want to, inter- everyone, you can in- sort of introduce yourself, but let me just throw out some names real quick. Uh, we have Rex Baxter. Thanks so much, Rex, uh, for joining us along with Brandon Smith and Dan Nelson. So real quick, uh, let's start in the corner up here. Brandon, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us about your experience in the industry. Yeah, I uh, I started about 11 years ago. Um started with more of a an insurance based company realized that wasn't maybe where i wanted to be wanted to be and and uh, joined ameriprise financial about eight years ago um joined rex's team two years ago so so about a decade of experience and yeah having fun with it all right and rex so i i started in business uh back in the mid 90s and joined ameriprise in 2009 and have, have built up a, a fairly good team here with with Brandon and Dan, and and we're just here to make sure that we're taking care of our clients and, and the public and whoever we can help. So awesome, possum, Dan, you got some history. Yeah. I haven't met you yet. Yeah, hi, Brandon. Hi. Hey, hello, everybody. I started in the business in 1980, so a little over 40 years ago, and uh, I've seen a lot of changes. Uh, went into management in 1992, and. Just recently stepped out of management after 29 years and uh, working with uh, Rex and Brandon and Holly and our team. So I'm excited to be able to do it. I'm Thank glad you. to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. All right. So we are in our 50s. Uh, we have, I mean, I'm not um, yet. Uh, <laughs> Rex is almost there. Uh, Brandon's got about 30 years before he gets there. Uh, and then, Dan, I don't know where you're at. But uh, all right. So well, um, what about? What about, you know, a lot of people have Roth IRAs and traditional uh, contributions, uh, maybe IRAs. Uh, what do we do with what do we do with these in our 50s? What are some of the recommendations uh, as far as Roths, Roths go and traditional IRAs? It's interesting when people hit their 50s. I'll, I'll let you take that question, Brandon. But it's interesting when people hit their 50s because all of a sudden something changes from 49 to 50 to where you wake up and, and all of a sudden it just hits you and you're saying, here I am, I'm, you know, 12, 15, 17 years away from retirement. Uh, you know, what have I done with my life? What have I done with my, you know? Wow. I mean, wow. This is rough. <laughs> so, Who am I? So where am I at? Yeah. Who am I? What is my purpose? You know, where, where am I headed? What have I done with my finances and, and what do I need to do? And so it, it just brings this awareness. Um, for people. Well, it's because we're all late starters, you know, like we all like get ready 10 minutes before the dance, you know? So what, like we're in our fifties and retirement's around the corner. It's beginning to become real. Yeah. And so one of, one of the most real questions, right, is, is that Roth or traditional that everybody's faced with in their 401ks or on their own saving. And so, you know, Brandon, why don't you take that? Yeah, thanks, Greg. When we talk about Roth versus traditional, right, it ultimately comes down to, you know, am I in a higher tax bracket today or a higher tax bracket in retirement? And 
you know, unfortunately we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know most times exactly where we're going to be at. And that's especially true when we've got, you know, 20, 30, 40 years before retirement. When you get in your 50s, you know, things start to change a little bit, right? We're, we're closer to that time. We can anticipate tax brackets a little bit better. But then in addition to that, you're typically in your higher earning years. And so oftentimes when you're younger, if, we, if we're not sure, if it's kind of on the fence, we default to Roth, right? Roth is the one where we, we save into it. We don't get a tax break today, but then in the future, it all comes out completely tax-free and it grows tax-free. And so we kind of we default to that one if we're not exactly sure. In your 50s, however, it really it gets a little bit more complex, right? If you've been, if you've been a, a crazy saver and you've got a huge amount built up in the 401k, then you might have a higher tax bracket in retirement. If you haven't, right, Brandon, like you said, if you're a little bit behind, if you're late to the dance and, and, and we're looking to build up those savings, you very well might be in a higher tax bracket now while you're earning income than while you're pulling it out in retirement. And so as we do financial planning, that's really where we get in, into the, you know, the details and, and can decide what's going to be the most efficient thing for you, for you right? And, and, and oftentimes it goes from a default of Roth to a default of, of more of a traditional contribution that's going to help you out tax-wise. Clears mud. Clears <laughs> mud. That's why. <laughs> Dan, you have feedback on this? Yeah, let me throw something in here. So uh, one of the things that I tell my kids who are in their 30s now is, and, and I think people in their 50s should do the same thing, Roth is great, an IRA is great, but they should, first of all, maximize their 401k if they're working for a company that has a matching contribution. Maximize that, uh, and then after that, you should be looking at these other alternatives. But that's the first thing they need to do, and too often people don't do that and maximize that, either a Roth 401k or a regular 401k to get that matching contribution. Matching is gold. That's free money. Yes. 100% return automatically. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. So is there a 55, age 55 rule? I've never heard this. What is the age 55 rule? Well, that's that's your double nickels, right? I mean, that's the, double the magic 55. Wow. Wow. So Should I be looking so forward to this birthday or no? Yeah, you've been looking forward to the wrong birthday. So 55 is the magic birthday. <laughs> okay. So, so there, there were some, some law changes um, not too long ago. And one of them, you know, most people think on, on their 401k when they're, you know, looking at pulling money out, they think 59 and a half, which has been a rule for a long time where you can roll money out of a 401k into an IRA account and then manage it on your own without the 10% uh, IRS tax penalty things like that. But there was a rule change to where you, if you're 55 and you're separated from your employment, so you quit, you get fired, you're retired, you're laid off, um, but there's some sort of separation from your employment. If you leave the money in the 401k, then you can actually take penalty-free distributions from that 401k between 55 and 59 and a half mm. without, without that 10% penalty. And so lots of times people think, oh, I lost, I lost my job. I'm 56. Um, and so I'm going to roll this into my IRA and I'll manage it there. And, and that's not always the best decision. Lots of times it is, but sometimes if we need a, 
uh, some income to get us between jobs or we need some income there between 55 and 59, there, there's a window of opportunity there that, that a lot of people aren't aware of. No, I didn't know that. So that's good. So can you use it as an excuse to retire at 55? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. Right. I, I, I will, I will say there are quite a few rules on that, right? Mm. So if, if you're 55, you quit from a job and then you get a new job, you can't then go back and pull it from the old employer. Mm. Right. And, and so if you're, if you are in the scenario and you have to have already reached 55 and then quit or retired or separated service, and, and you got that little window before you choose the next job, there, there's, there's kind of a limited time frame and a lot of rules around it, including rules on the plan document of the 401k itself, right? Each 401k has a set of rules, even though the IRS allows it, the, the 401k plan doesn't have to. And so really the best advice I could give is if you think you're remotely in that scenario and you need to pull money out, then, then that would be a fantastic time to talk to a financial advisor and really get the details on that, whether that makes sense and, and whether that works for you. The one other thing I'll throw on there is that it, you don't get the 10% penalty, but you're still taxed, right? So if we pull $20,000 out, it's as if I you know, earned that $20,000 when I go to file my taxes at the end of the year. So it's not like we want to pull $100,000 out. 401k so in the, the IRA, not in the Roth though, yeah. right? Yeah, not in the Roth. Okay. You're correct. Okay. And then when, Brandon, yep. Too often, Brandon, too often, Brandon, that um, the key is to get a financial advisor and get advice. Get the advice mm-hmm. based on your own personal situation because everyone's a little different. Some people might say, well, I want to retire at 55. And then at 72, they're a greeter at Walmart because they spent all that mm-hmm. money between 55 and 70. So the key is to get the financial advice. So you can move it at age 59, 59 and a half, right? And what does that mean by moving your your 401k or IRA. So at 59 and a half, you get the option to move. You can keep it in your 401k or you can take it out of the 401k and roll it into an IRA. And, and people ask, right? Like, well, well, what's, first of all, what's magic about the, the age 59 and one half? Well, what's, ma- what's magic have- about 16 when you can drive or 21 when you can drink? It's just, this is all made up stuff. <laughs> You're right. And, and just to prove it's made up, we, we put a date of 59 and one half. But, yeah. uh, but for whatever reason, that's, that's the date or the age that is given. And so once you turn 59 and a half, you're able to roll that out. And I think some of the reason for that is, is you're starting to get closer to retirement typically. And it becomes, you know, when you're young, seeing those market ups and downs are, are more of like a, you know, laugh at the water cooler. Holy cow, did you see what happened to the 401k? Um, when you're 59 and a half or 60 or 65, it's not as funny anymore, right? Like no, when you see your no. account balance, you know, cut in half, that, that's, that's a lot more real. And so, and so most 401k plans allow you to pull money out so that you can watch it closer. You can give it, you know, move it to a financial advisor that actually watches that full time and can be, have a little bit closer eye on it. Just typically 401ks aren't monitored very well. What is, what are you guys seeing right now as, I mean, age 65 is, you know, the age of retirement, I guess. But what are you guys seeing now as, as the actual age? When are people retiring? Are they waiting until they're older? Because we seem to be, you know, living longer. We seem to uh, have figured out how to be healthier longer. And some people just enjoy their work and want to work longer. They like to work. 
Are they are they taking retirement later? When you know how late can you go until you need to start taking draws as well? How how has that changed over the last forty years, Dan? Out of curiosity, between retirement ages back in in eighty and and kind of the mentality around that versus retirement ages today. Dramatically, uh, like everything else in the last forty years, it's, it's changed dramatically. Back in the early eighties, uh, most everyone retired at sixty five. That was the age they looked at. Uh, at sixty five, I got to make it there and live long enough to get there, and then I'm going to retire. I'm going to take my social security and I'm going to live on a pension usually um, or, uh, because those you don't see very often. But back in 1980, we had two services uh, that we sold. We had uh, as an advisor, we had really called a stockbroker back then, but it was information and execution or to buy anything in the market. You had to call a stockbroker. There was no other way to do it. Wow. And so we had all the information that we could give everyone, and then we had execution. But most people would save money either in a bank or CDs or in the early 80s and mid-80s. Uh, interest rates were very high, so a lot of certificates, deposit, mutual funds, and stocks and bonds. But it's changed dramatically. Today, I just turned 65, frankly, uh, this month. And um, my, uh, my uh, normal retirement for social security purposes is 67 and four months. So that's changed also over the years. Yeah, I, I, it seems like I'm seeing a lot more people work longer. You know, I was, I was talking to another client earlier today and he is 64. He probably will retire when he's 65. But all that means to him is he's probably gonna start a new business when he's 66. Hmm. Um, and, and, and start the next, you know, a passion of right. his, where right now he's working something he enjoys and it's fine, but he's always had a dream of, of, you know, opening up a, you know, a, a pine tree lot or whatever. Right. As far as that goes. <laughs> pine, pine tree um, lot. Everybody <laughs> dreams of that. <laughs> I'm I'll have my own pine tree here. lot. <laughs> you know, Rex, that is absolutely true for about everybody my age. I know all of my friends uh, don't traditionally retire like we used to think of 25, 30 years ago. They're doing something else. They're continuing to do other things by being active. Sometimes that involves income. Sometimes it's a charity, uh, charitable work, but, but, but they're always doing something else. So good point. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's changed a lot over the years to where a lot of people aren't necessarily retiring at 65. It's just, okay, what's my next stage of life going to look like? Yeah. Well, I've, I've noticed most people before they make that jump, they want to, to feel confident that if this next venture doesn't work out or, yeah. or that if they decide they wake up and don't like it, that they can retire and be okay. That's been a reoccurring theme as I've done financial plans for people is that they want to do something new, but they don't want to depend on, you know, the income of that new job. So if it makes money, it's a bonus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of making money, we are, would you guys say this is the longest, one of the longest bull runs in market history? Well, I think each of us have a different market history lifespan. So yeah. for me, I would say it's the longest during my working career, as far as that goes. I, in, in essence, I mean, we've had what we would consider, you know, pullbacks, bear markets, a, bear, a very, very short bear market with COVID, 
right? The market dropped 38% or so last year for a full month. Um, and so, you know, I think we've had things like that. But if you're to look at the overall climb from 2008, from the Great Recession to today, I mean, that's, that's you know, 13 years, 12 years from the bottom to today. And so that certainly would go down as one of the longest, if not the longest bull run, certainly in modern history. How about you, Dan? It, 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 during your career, have you had a longer bull run? I guess maybe 87 yeah. to 99, maybe? That uh, could be, but I know uh, I, I was looking at a chart the other day of the last 40 years. There's been nine times in the last 40 years over a one-year period of time that the market has had a negative return. The other 41 or the other uh, 31 are, 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 are positive. Mm. Um, the, the biggest uh, drop was uh, in my career has been in 2000, 2001, and 2002. We had three years of the S&P 500 was down, three years in a row. That's the only time in my career that has happened. And so we are, the last negative year we had uh, was just down 1%, and that was uh, 2015. The last uh, five or six years have been up every year. We've had down markets during the year, but the overall performance is down. So, yeah, this is a long run in a bull market. You're right, Brandon. So, looking, I, look, I think, Brandon, yeah. just, just really quick, I think the, the important piece of that, not only looking at 2000 to 2002 when the market was down, you know, 40% over a three year span or so, um, or 2008 or this last one with COVID, I think the important thing, especially if you're in your 50s, is to make sure that you're paying attention to how much risk you're taking because you know when the longer you get on these bull runs then typically the more aggressive a person's portfolio becomes because a lot of people aren't rebalancing and readjusting their risk level over the last decade and so now all of a sudden something to where they may have had you know 60 percent exposed to the market because the market growth that may turn into 80 or 90 percent exposed to the market and they kind of get lulled to sleep by these great returns and forget about how painful those those downturns are by taking that that additional risk so i think that that's extremely critical when you're in your 50s to make sure that you are taking the appropriate amount of risk because the last thing you want to do is get into one of those bear markets realize you had 90 percent exposed if you're uncomfortable with that and then end up getting to that panic point at the bottom and selling low as opposed to buying low and doing the exact opposite of what we know we should be doing. And that's the absolute reason why it's so important to have a financial advisor and go through a financial plan yeah. with cash flow. That very reason, too many people I've seen over the years where emotion takes over and you're at the uh, very top of the market and they're saying, I've missed, I've missed that market going up, now I need to buy. And right then is when they should be taking some money off the table. And then you're at the very bottom where you're totally in a panic and then capitulation happens. You're depressed and you say, I gotta, I gotta get out. I'm, I wanna sell everything. And that tells me over the years, that's close to a bottom in the market. Mm -hmm. And you have all those emotions in between from from optimism to thrilled excitement, you have anxiety, uh, denial, fear, greed, all of those emotions come into play uh, 
uh, in these markets. That's why you need a financial advisor. So looking at the market in in 2021, uh, we're just over halfway through the year. There's... um, I mean, it, I mean, we're going on sort of a long bull run. If I'm, and I guess there's a big difference between being in your early 50s and late 50s. But um, you know, what's your exposure look like as far as your investments? Uh, what What are you advising clients right now? Well, I think I think it is dependent upon how well you know where they're at as far as how well they've saved up to that point. And so it's going to be very unique based on their own facts and circumstances as far as whether we're going to be extremely aggressive with somebody or more conservative. Uh, depending upon, you know, are we behind and, and we need to take the additional risk? Are we not behind? We've done a good job saving. And so I, I think it's I think it's very, you know, specialized and independent upon that. It, it's interesting. You know, we did a, a podcast not too long ago on, on rules of thumb. Um, you remember that, Brandon? I guess. Yep. Two thumbs up. So <laughs> so rules of thumb. And, and one of the rules of thumb was that you have, you know, the amount of of safe assets or fixed income assets um, kind of matches your age. And so if you're 50, you'd kind of be 50% in fixed income or safer assets and 50% in the market. And and I think it's okay as a rule of thumb, but it certainly is not applicable to, to a lot of people. Um, a lot of people, you know, need to get the returns of the market when the market has the returns. And so they need to, to take more risk. All right. Well, um, what, what's your thoughts? Let's shift gears a little bit. What's your thoughts on Social Security? How much do um, you plan on or should we plan on having Social Security through retirement if I am now in my 50s? You know, I'll take this one. It's one of my favorite, favorite subjects because without fail, right? When we do a financial plan, I say, all right, Social Security, how much do we want to count on? And instantly, right, I start rolling, you know, everyone, oh, it's, it's going away. And, and, and I can definitely understand the the hesitancy right to depend on on that program however little stat fidelity um had they said by 2034 pay all the payroll collected right younger people paying into the social security system will cover 76 percent of the promised benefits to be paid out of social security now what that means is you know, by 2034, all the baby boomers have gone from working to completely retired and pulling on the system, right? And I think that's something a lot of people worry about is, man, once our demographics shift, um, all these people are going to be pulling the money out. We don't have people putting it in. But even at that point in the year 2034, if we did nothing else, right? Social Security, the trust fund runs completely out of money, and we're just left paycheck to paycheck, if you will, in the Social Security system all the baby boomers are retired, we're still, retirees are still receiving about 76% roughly of their benefits. Um, now, most people within the you know financial industry believe that's not going to be the case, that in fact, it would be political suicide to come out as a, you know, as, as, as a politician and say, you know what, I think we're going to gut social security. Sure, you've paid into it. We're not going to pay the benefit out. And so most people believe it will be funded especially if you're in your 50s or 60s. I don't think that's something I would really worry too much about. Oftentimes with people that want to be conservative, will plan on maybe 75 or 50% of the benefit just to be conservative. Um, but, as, but as far as kind of counting on the benefit, I don't think it's unreasonable to plan on receiving that benefit you see on your statement. Okay. Good to know. Um, that's because <laughs> some people, that's all they got. Uh, and so, 
for for those and I see these graphics on Instagram which I think are really cool. Uh, Instagram's actually becoming a if you follow certain threads a great place for, to find little tidbits, you know, little little hints on how to some ideas to get you thinking about financials. And one of them I saw just the other day was this a graphic where it was like how much you need to invest per month to have a million dollars at retirement. And it's I mean, you guys know this, it's significant. So it says like when you're in your 20s, you know, it's like 450 bucks a month or something. And then when you're in your 30s, it's this much and 40s. So when you're, if you're in your 50s and you haven't started, is it too late? What's the plan? I would say it's never too late. Hmm. Uh, it becomes much, much more important in your 50s. And um, you have to pay a lot more attention to it in your 50s. Um, a lot of things happen during that decade. A lot, most people are in their peak earning years. And so they should be setting aside more money in their 50s. They should be doing more planning in their 50s. Uh, all of those things are good things. And if they haven't started by the time they're 50, then they've got to try and catch up and uh, be, get themselves prepared so that uh, they can take care of themselves after retirement. That's very important. Yeah, so certainly one of the things that we hear the most from people in their 50s is, I should have started this 20 years ago, right? Yeah. Um, and, and we hear that all the time, but that doesn't mean that you should wait another 20 years to start. <laughs> you know what? I've so, waited this long. Let's just keep waiting. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> so, so I think I, you know, I completely agree with Dan. It's never too late to start. I do think that, you know, the, your decade of the fifties is typically your biggest earning decade. Um, it's possible during this, the sixties, depending upon when you retire, but typically that's your biggest earning decade. And, and lots of times at that point, a lot of the raising the kids expenses is out. Now they might be rebound kids, you know, and so you might be dealing with different issues as is, far as that goes. Is that the term we're going with right now? Rebound kids. <laughs> that's absolutely okay. the term that, that is. <laughs> I can't remember where I picked that up. Boomerang. Boomerang kids. I like boomerang kids. All right. <laughs> So I think that I think the most important thing while you're in your 50s is is a if you haven't started get started, but make sure you're doing it the most efficient way you can. Right, mm -hmm. make sure you're using the right kinds of accounts and the right tax structure and and that we're not wasting money in areas that we shouldn't be wasting it in. And so just be efficient with your decisions. Financial pain comes from dramatic changes. Right, you can be perfectly happy living on three thousand a month. You can be perfectly happy living on four, five, six thousand. I mean, really, where where financial pain comes from is where you go from living on eight thousand a month down to living on four thousand a month overnight. And and that's where the financial planning comes in. Is it helps you, first of all, determine where you're at with, with the savings you have. What do we need to do to get that you know balanced in retirement? Hopefully we can make that a perfect balance. And if we can't, right, maybe we need to lower lifestyle today, save a little bit more and so that we balance those and, and so that we can make that, that change, that adjustment over 10, 15 years rather than over you know, 10 weeks because it, 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 it hurts when you don't have the time to adjust. Yeah, for sure. Uh, go to planwithbaxter.com for more information or to get in contact with uh, the gentleman you, you hear on this podcast. That's planwithbaxter.com. I have a, a, a question about um, insurance, also a question about con still contributing to a 401k 
um, before we wrap up. But uh, Brandon, do you have some stats? And so we we call it, we like to call the segment "S'more Numbers." S'more Numbers. S'more Numbers. Yeah. Yeah. You betcha. All right. I've got some s'more numbers. So the the uh, Department of Labor put out a statistic, the Consumer Price Index, which is also known as CPI. Uh, essentially, that's the index we use to, to track inflation. But the Consumer Price Index was up 5% on a trailing 12-month basis um, as of, that was May, end of May 2021. Um, which just happens to be the, you know, basically one of the highest ones. It, it, year over year inflation has been less than 5%, 99% of the time over the last 30 years. And, and so it's getting a lot of headlines, mm-hmm. um, you know, with that. And rightfully so. I mean, well, if you're on a fixed you know, income, that can hurt. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and when we've been used to 1.5% to 2% inflation, to all of a sudden see 5% come out of nowhere. It's a little bit scary. Yeah. And what do you do to prepare for that? Or, or is there anything you can do? No, absolutely. So, so various asset classes do, do different. Like, so for example, your home, right? If we see, let's say, let's just say we saw inflation shoot through the roof. What would happen to the value of your home? Well, it would actually continue to grow. Right. And so that wouldn't be such a bad thing. Let's say you had a mortgage on that. Would your mortgage grow? No, right? It, it's mm-hmm. a set rate. And so inflation's not bad for like homes and mortgages. In the stock market, stocks tend to float right on top of inflation. So we're not worried about it there. Really where we start to worry is, is like you said, Brandon, fixed income type situations, right? Where you yeah. have like a bond with a set rate that they pay out. That rate typically, not always, but typically doesn't increase with inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we, when we work with clients, we try to analyze and, and I know in a lot of the reviews I've been having with clients, I'll tell them, right? Like you are, you know, in a good place if we see high inflation, or maybe we need to look at a couple things and make adjustments. I, I think it's important to note too, that this inflation, it's high. Is it going to, it's probably going to stay a little bit more elevated than we've seen historically. Um, but this is probably more of a peak point, right? We most, a lot of the inflation is an issue of, of not having enough supply, right? Not having enough cars to sell, not having enough, you know, lumber, not having enough of the materials needed. And, and so, you know, people bid those up and yeah. that's more of a, a temporary inflation. Yeah. We've seen it in, yeah. uh, in, in the retail industry. And then when, when do we get concerned about inflation? 8%? Is there a number? 25% we start. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> Rex, you were saying? So, so in, inflation's always interesting, right? Because it if you own the asset, if you own stocks, if you own a house, if you own the real estate, then then inflation is can can turn out to be either a, a non-event or a positive event for that asset. But if you don't own the asset and you're trying to buy a house as as a young new newly married couple, or you're trying to buy a retirement home if you're in your fifties or something like that, then then inflation is is painful, and and on top of that, you know if you're trying to project, uh, you know long term care costs or you're trying to project health care costs when you're in your fifties for how much do I need to be saving in you know health savings accounts or di- different ways, you know it's really important that you stress test those with different inflation rates and and again you know to echo Dan and Brandon a little bit is is that's where planning comes into play is is being able to stress test 
your your hypothetical projections, right? Because none of us can predict the future. And so you need to make sure that, that what you're doing and that you're setting, you know, adequate expectations for the future as opposed to keeping your head in the sand and saying, I'm retiring at 62, you know, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And, and that can get, that can, you know, feel good at 62 and feel really painful at 72. Mm-hmm. And so you, you want to be careful of that. But so. it felt so good at 62. <laughs> take a picture <laughs> take a picture all right so if you're in your 50s and you you haven't purchased life insurance yet should you do so now what's my favorite answer brandon do you remember my favorite answer it depends it depends oh, brandon, i hate that please. answer <laughs> yeah yeah i think it's interesting i think a lot of people um are you know we they get into their 50s and sometimes they find themselves as overinsured mm-hmm. and they don't even realize it um, lots of times and then other times they're underinsured depending upon what they're trying to protect I mean insurance is one of those complex instruments that creates money when you have to have money created if if you lose a loved one and you need to replace their income then it creates that money if you you know if the tax laws the estate tax laws change and go from you know, 11 million that you can pass to to a loved one to 3 million or 2 million or 600,000 um, back. I don't remember if that's what it was when you started, Dan, but that's what it was when I started was 600,000. And everything above and beyond that was taxed at about 45% when you passed away. And so in those cases, life insurance was critical. And so it's something that you have to continue to monitor. It's something that you have to continue to evaluate to see if you're underinsured, overinsured, and to see exactly where you're at. And that will change throughout your life. I think it's important to remember as you consider, you know, it depends, is that insurance, life insurance is insurance, right? And there's a cost to insurance. Most insurance companies set up policies such that for every dollar you pay in, and this is just general, right? But for every dollar you pay in, they're going to pay out about 60 cents in, in, you know, in benefits. And so by definition, that's typically a pretty poor, (laughs) pretty poor investment choice. Um, But, but sometimes it's necessary, right? And so, so when we look at insurance, especially in your fifties, when it starts to get more expensive, we're, we're trying to determine, you know, if you passed away, what would happen? How do we make sure the loved one is taken care of? But like Rick said, not, not hold more insurance than we need. All right, so I have one. I have one more question. Then we can get the final final thoughts on uh, what should I do with my money here if I'm in my fifties. You know, you're never. It's never too late for love. You know, it's it's just not. And I don't know who writes these questions, Rex, but this is a good one. Uh, so if I'm fifty nine, if I'm fifty nine, and I'm like, you know what? Now's the time. I've waited this long. I'm gonna I'm gonna get married. Maybe you're getting remarried. I'm gonna get married. Is why is this a question? Should I get let's, married? Let's this say remarried. Why is this let's a question? Remarried. remarried. Okay. Should I get remarried at 59? This is the most specific question. We're gonna totally answer this question for you who is 59. You're like, man, I don't know. Should I get married? I'm 59. This is for you. Yeah. This is for that person that's watching this, you know, Facebook Live or yep. YouTube. That or, one per- or lucky person. Is- and should you and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna punt to Brandon here in a oh, second. But, uh, <laughs> so so you know there are some social security nuances, um, and since social since social security is a, a major strength of Brandon's, 
you know, if you are a widow and you're looking at getting remarried and you're 59 years of age, that can have some some repercussions if you decide to get married at 59 versus 60. Can it, Brandon? It, it absolutely can. And, and, you know, it's funny, Social Security did a study, actually went and studied the, the social impacts they're having on on marriages and found that indeed it looks like people were waiting to get married until after they turned 60 for social security benefits. Now, the, the, the primary concern here is, is let's say you've been married and, and your spouse has passed away or you were married and then while you were married, your spouse passed away, either one, and you're, let's say you're 58 years old, you're entitled, once you turn 60, you're entitled to what's called a widow's benefit. Um, meaning that you can pull on Social Security as early as age 60. And if you've got your own benefit, you can actually wait and, and defer your benefit while taking this widow's benefit. And so it becomes a, a highly powerful, highly beneficial Social Security filing strategy. But it, let's say you're 59 and three quarters and you found the one and you get married at 59, you will forfeit those widow benefits. And so it's actually too... You know, if you can hold on and, and postpone the wedding for, for three months or for six months or however long it takes to get you to 60, you can typically, and not always, right? It always depends, but, but you can typically keep some higher widow's benefits in the social security realm. And, and so that's it's a fascinating concept, but yeah, but yeah you, wanna, you wanna make sure you wait until 60. Once you're 60, you can actually get married and it, it won't impact those, but you Do gotta wait until you're 60. Do, mo do a lot of people know this? No, I, you know, obviously someone does. Otherwise right, right. it wouldn't impact the social things. Yeah. But, but for most people, I don't think they do. Yeah, I very just, few. I'm, very few. Very few. Yeah, I'm imagining the conversation. It's like, babe, babe, we got to wait. Here's why. Here's why. <laughs> Here's why. Yeah. 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 We're not making any moral, any moral judgments. We're not making any, you know, anything like that. We're just saying from a financial standpoint that there could be a case made. Yeah. You know, right. Right. To, right. To date, just for a couple more weeks, you know, and, yeah. and push that wedding off for a couple months. But uh, on the but it is an interesting question. On the flip side of this, a little bit unrelated, if you've been married nine months and, and nine years and six months, maybe consider waiting till you've been married 10 years before you file the divorce papers. I just did a, a plan where, where someone had been married, you know, nine months or nine years and nine months, you know, and because they divorced prior to being married 10 years, they didn't qualify for those spousal benefits at retirement. And so that's just another little funny one to keep in mind that's when your marriage plans. probably not funny in their eyes yeah they were they someone's missing out on some money yeah 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 uh not all right. the government not the government Les says good stuff <laughs> thanks Les, for tuning in appreciate that uh all right final thoughts on if you're in your 50s what in the heck am i doing financially you know any anything we missed any last words of wisdom from, yeah. from either words of, you of wisdom. about 50s I, I would say this, um, having just gone through my 50s, 10, 10 years ago or so, you, uh, every morning when you get out of bed, when you're 50, 53, 58 years old, you think a lot more about, do I have enough money versus you when you're 30? You just do. And so do you have enough money? You need to find that out. That's something you shouldn't wait on. You should get some advice from a professional financial planner to find out and help you 
work through that calculation and help you adjust whatever you, your lifestyle is to make sure that by the time you want to retire in your 60s or your late 50s, that you're in good shape. That is a key. Uh, something I used to think about all the time. Very good. Anything else? I love meeting with people in their 50s because that is where real money is made in, in really fast amounts. Of, right? I mean, when we sit down with people, the strategies are, are when you look at a Roth conversion strategy, I mean, you can save a lot of money in taxes. When, when you look at social security strategies, you can make a lot of money in those strategies. And so in your 50, when you're younger, you know, it's a lot easier to just save money and see where it gets you. Um, when you're in your 50s, you can make some big decisions that will either very positively impact your future or very negatively impact that. And so th those 50s are critical years and, and, and they become a lot more fun from a financial planning standpoint. Yeah, last thoughts, Rex? So I, I think, you know, every decade has its own intricacies. And I think the, the intricacies of being 50 and in your 50s is is making sure that that you're being efficient with your savings, being that it's probably your highest earning decade, making sure that, that you're stress testing and that you're paying attention to the details at this point in your life, because it is gonna pay dividends, you know, over, over the next 30, 40 years. And, and I always find it interesting, you know, we've had in the last 20 years, we've had the, you know, with, with the internet, we've got robo advisors, we've got, you know, all the, all these other, you know, platforms out there for investments and, and managing money and things like that. And, and I would argue that managing money is part of what's important here, but planning is what the critical piece is in, in here is making sure that you're doing it efficiently and, and, and taking a good look at everything that you're doing. Awesome stuff. Well, uh, if you have questions or you, or you need some some further clarification on your own situation, please consider visiting planwithbaxter.com. I want to thank uh, you gentlemen for hanging out with us here today. Brandon Smith, Rex Baxter, Dan Nelson. It's been a pleasure. This has hopefully helped you a little bit about uh, if you're in your 50s, you got you're moving into your 50s or moving out of your 50s, what do you do? Hopefully this gives you an idea. And then again, visit planwithbaxter.com for more information. This has been Through the Pines reminding you to use yesterday's dollars to finance tomorrow's dreams. <laughs>